Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And if you are a father who is ready to add another tool to your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. And even though I specialize in the dad-daughter relationship, you know that these tools also work with your sons too. And the reason for that is because it's all about you as a father becoming more equipped so that you can intentionally and consistently pursue the heart of your daughters and your sons. Well, I'm sure you've got the grid down by now, but if you're a new listener, let me just quickly review. Every week I say, on your mark, get set, go. So dads, picture yourself standing side by side, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. On your mark is the topic and the theme. Get set. We're putting that concept into motion by giving you stories and stats. And we always end with a go step, which is your action-oriented goal so that every week you have something that you can do to fix it. That's what dads always tell me they want. Well, today I have a friend joining me by the name of Armin Asadi. And he's, isn't that the best name? Armin Asadi. I love that. And for the last couple of years, we've been becoming friends. And he's had me on his Bold Idea podcast, which heralds out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. What I love about this man's heart is that he loves being a husband to his wife, Ashley. He loves being a dad to his two little girls. And you're going to hear his story woven throughout our conversation today, because I know that it is one that will capture your heart. And I'll tell you, your guts too. I mean, this is a gut-wrenching conversation we're going to be having today. And you will better understand by the end of this, why he is grateful every single day for the life that he has now as a husband and a father. Welcome, Armin. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Well, you and I have done some prep for this, and we have landed on a title for this today. On Your Mark is Casting a Vision for Fathering. So now for the get set part, I mean, how about if I tell everybody a little bit of the backstory of how we landed here? Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, you you were tweeting out something that, that kind of was kind of involving our conversation that week, and here's what you wrote. You may forget, but I I wrote this down because I thought it was so (laughs) profound because you wrote something back to me and here's what it was. You said, everybody always talks about having a vision for your life and to start with the end in mind, but that always becomes a dialogue around profession, success, status, etc. Content like this is what helps a dad like me to have a vision for my family, for myself as a dad and more. Thank you. And I immediately wrote you back. So I I looked at our dialogue, and here's what I said. You've got to come on the Dad Whisperer and talk more about this concept of a fathering vision. And let's just let everybody in on this fact that you have got a daddy heart, and you tear up. The emotion comes, doesn't it, when you really (laughs) delve into the depths of your heart space as you think about your two little two little precious girls. So I loved, even as we, we prepared for this conversation, is how many times you teared up, didn't you? You're like, oh my God. Real men, react. right? Real men can cry, you know, and you are <laughs> leading the way, my friend, in that today. So are we ready? Are we ready to head into where the tears lie? <laughs> yes, let's do it. I've prepped as much as I can mentally. <laughs> you got the Kleenexes ready. Well, as I we do. begin this conversation, how about you just give everybody, I, I gave a little bit of a of a backstory to to your life, but anything else that you want to add, maybe about your relationship with your dad or anything else that you think um, would be helpful for people to know about you? 
Yeah, um, I'll try to make it as brief as I can. But, you know, I was born into a very wealthy family in the Islamic Republic of Iran. I was born two years after the Islamic Revolution had taken over into a family that was non-Muslim. And in Iran, you know, there's been a quiet genocide going on of people who are not Muslim. And uh, one of the things my dad did for me is even though he wasn't around, he gave me one lesson in life that I'll never forget is Mm -hmm. after he made the decision that we were going to be on the run pretty much for the rest of our lives, as long as we lived in Iran. He came home one night, woke me up from the dead of my sleep, stood me up, grabbed both my hands into one of his hands, put his other hand on my shoulder, knelt down, looked in my eyes with tears in his eyes and a shaking voice. He said, Armin, if you don't remember anything else I ever teach you about life, just remember this one thing. Your faith is worth dying for. Oh, my goodness. How old were you? Uh, I couldn't have been more than three or four. Wow. And you remember it and to this day. It's probably one of the only conversations with my dad I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we fled on foot across the desert over and climbed over a mountain and ended up escaping the country years later. Lived in Pakistan and the slums and waited to get a religious refugee pass to the United Nations. Ended up in America. You uh, eventually got into crime, got became an organized crime boss and get saved, get set, uh, get indicted, mm-hmm. don't go to prison. All this crazy stuff happened. And uh, How's that for the cliff notes? <laughs> yeah, and now I'm a serial entrepreneur, speaker, author, and bold cast co-host, go figure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so you just happened to mention Crime Boss. How long yeah. were you in organized crime? So that's, a, that's an interesting question. So when we started, me and my friends started dabbling in crime, it wasn't anything that we thought was going to grow into anything, but we got organized when I was 19 and it just grew from there. So I guess from the age of 19 is when I, we got organized and what kind of be considered an organized crime unit. And by the time we were 26, we were fairly large and we were a national organization. Mm. We weren't just a local city group anymore. So you told me that you should be in prison right now. What's the backstory to that? That's a great question. So I, uh, after I left that old lifestyle, because I got sick of it, and then I didn't get killed for leaving it, I had to choose, you know, uh, between killing myself or going after life, and I decided to go after life, and um, I, I, I get saved at this church, and after I get saved, and I give my life to this Jesus guy, um, I got indicted <laughs> by 11 federal agencies, which was a great start to our relationship, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Not the norm. uh, Right, right. And so the indictment gave me a minimum mandatory 10-year sentence. Wow. And you've told me what some of that was for? Yeah. So um, the original indictment, um, and there was 10 of us in the indictment, was for uh, manufacturing when intent to uh, distribute thousands of kilos of marijuana, Depending who else was involved, there was things like money laundering, tax evasion, mm-hmm. wire fraud, and other uh, indictments involved as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. And again, you and I have talked about the fact that, you know, this isn't trying to glorify your past, but I think it's giving every dad a little bit of a framework of where you've come from, which I think underscores and highlights where you are now in contrast, which I think gives hope to dads, right? That regardless of the past you've had, you can see it changed, right? And Jesus is doing that in you, and he's, he's done it, and he's continuing to do it in you. 
Man, if there is a dad right now listening to this and they're constantly looking at their, at their past, I want to have the same moment with them. My dad had it with me at the age of four, and I just want to grab them mm-hmm. and look them straight in the eye and say, your past does not define you. Your future does. Your actions do. Your decisions do. Start today. Forget the past because I promise you, you will change it. Mm, love it. Yes. Listen to Armin. He knows what he's talking yeah. about because he's living it. Well, you Man, know, and you and I, again, we've become friends the last couple of years and you know this, but I'll just say it publicly. I have so much respect for you in this process because I know how much courage it takes for a man, right, to broadly Right, declare where he's messed up or poor choices he's made. But you're saying, I have realized in this process of being more contemplative and being a dad whose daughters have stolen my heart and taken up heart space, is that talk about this whole thing about a vision for fathering that recently has come to your mind of realizing you don't have one. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it all started with with your Twitter post, right? And I, and I started looking at that and I, it, it, it just baffled me because I'm constantly around entrepreneurs. I'm constantly around business owners, business leaders, church leaders, nonprofit leaders, you name it. I mean, the, these academic leaders and just the, the, we constantly talk about vision development. We constantly talk about how important it is to have a vision and a mission and knowing what that looks like and defining success, success and all these things. And then you started talking about it on Twitter and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I don't even have anything that resembles hmm. a vision or a long-term goal or hope of what it means for me to be a successful dad. And it baffled me. Like, how, how can I have spent so much time on business and ministry and all these things that, honestly, I'd be willing to let go of any of it. But the thing I'm not willing to let go of is my family. And I don't have a vision for them. How is that even possible? Mm-hmm. And it baffles you because you never even thought of it. You never thought to have one. No, because that's not how it works. You know, even the advice that you get, you constantly get advice that helps you survive fathering. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, and and I get it. There's a biblical text to it that you can pinpoint, you know, that God gives you enough grace for each day. But man, I've I've never thought of my role as a father and what it means to have a long-term vision and defining what that means, what that looks like, what that feels like, not just for myself, but for the people that are on the receiving end of my parenting. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us, how did you then start? If a dad today is going, you know, I've never thought about it either, but where do you start? Okay, you got the concept. How do you put legs to it? Oh, uh, man. So... Uh, it, it, it was a very, very difficult process because I realized I... I don't know what I'm doing and there's no one to help me. And I started kind of making a list of what it looks like to be a successful father. And honestly, I looked at the list and I thought, is, is this, is this it? Mm-hmm. Can, can, can I not even figure this out of what kind of dad I want to be? Yeah. Can yeah. I seriously be this good with it in terms of business and ministry? But I, 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 I have this joke of a list for my own kids. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it, it kind of progressed from there. And I said, all right, I got to start asking myself questions so I can create categories. And, you know, some of the questions I asked were, uh, how much do I know about her in, in reference to my daughters? Um, how much does my daughter trust me? Am I buying her love or am I wooing her? What kind of legacy am I leaving with her? And I'm thinking in terms of faith and value, strength, confidence, love, generosity, and so on. 
how much time am I spending with her? And when I'm spending time with her, am I present uh, when I'm there with her or am I just in the same room, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're looking at your phone. That's good. Um, and, yeah. and how much quality time are we spending together? You know, like, do we have routines? Are we uh, spending time where we're not distracted? Are we laughing? Are we gathered around a meal? Whatever it is, like, what kind of quality time are we getting out of that? And from there, that kind of led to the categories mm-hmm. of uh, success, I guess you could call it, for me as a father that I started working with. Oh, that's so good. Okay, how old are your daughters? Tell everyone their ages. Sure. So my oldest is about to turn three uh, next week, and mm. uh, our, our baby is seven months old. Okay, you know what's hitting me is you're saying these things about asking the questions and creating categories, right? You're like, I got to start somewhere. And you're not that far in age with your, I mean, in parenting your daughter from where you were when your dad spoke into your life. So the very thing you remembered forever, your daughter is now heading into that age range. I didn't even think about that, but yes, you're 100% right. You know, so you kind of have, I think what I love about your story, Armin, is you've only been doing this in the last month. Like this is hot off the press. You don't have it figured out, but you're saying... I've really got to do some soul searching because while my girls are young, I want to build a foundation where I've been very intentional about where I'm leading them. Absolutely. It literally started with your tweet. I mean, that your tweet was the catalyst. I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, but that's the real truth. Well, that's, that's what I love hearing because I'm helping dads, right, from my planet of Venus say, okay, let's... We need you, dads. We need you to understand us and lead us in ways that are intentional, consistent, heartfelt. Okay, so you told me, Armin, another thing that you've been working on that I find intriguing because it does fit with that Twitter statement where you said it's good to start with the end in mind. Okay, talk a little bit about that. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, it's a question that you get asked in business when you're creating a vision, right? Mm-hmm. So. This this may sound morbid, but parenting is different than business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I've been trying to do, because the only end in mind I can think of as a father is I'm dying. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. That's there. the only thing that's going to stop me from being a dad to my girls. Uh-huh. And uh, so I've been trying to write my own daughter's eulogy for my funeral. Oh, my word. And, <laughs> Talk about raw. And, Michelle, oh my gosh, <laughs> it has been so much harder than I thought it would be. I'm not an emotional person, but this thing, this process of writing a eulogy, yeah. um, I, my eulogy for my daughters to read, I guess, uh, it's just been wrecking me. I mean, mm. I'm already, <laughs> I mean, it, you just can't help but break down because you have to process this idea mm-hmm. that. You know, I have to leave my girls at some point. And you start thinking about it, like, girl, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I, I do have to part with you at some point. Mm-hmm. And I have to think, did I do enough yeah. to prepare you for life? You know, did I prepare you to thrive? Did I, did yeah. I do my job? Did I do my job as a father to make sure that whether I'm there or not, that you will thrive in this life? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm crying too. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it's such a crazy process. I don't know why I cry every time. Mm. I'm not this guy, I swear. <laughs> Which mm. underscores the fact that, you know, we hear that term daddy's girl. Girls get into a place in a dad's heart that I don't think 
even their sons tap into. Sons are awesome, but there's something different, isn't there, about daughters? Oh, my gosh. It touches yeah, a place absolutely. that hasn't been opened in a lot of dads, right? Yeah. And if you're just yeah. listening to us, this is Armin Asadi, who's one of my heart friends, and he's talking about casting a vision for fathering. So, Armin, say more, because I've never heard a father tell me that he's written his own eulogy as a way to focus <laughs> on fathering in the present. In fact, in the ABBA project, I try to lead dads to say, I want you. I mean, first month we say in the group, okay, dads, think to the end of your life. But I haven't gone into as much depth as you are, Armin. But I say, right. think back. What do you want your daughter to say about you on your deathbed? And now think, I call it thinking backwards. Now come back to the present. So tell us, you're talking about this has wrecked you in the best of ways. Say more about what this process has been like for you. Man, it's uh, it's crazy because, you know, we, we, it's human to have a fear of death. Um, you can pretend like you don't have a fear of death, but most people do. And um, going through this process, I've realized it, it, thinking about death hasn't made me scared of it, but it's put me in the mindset that's helping me not take um, the things that I love for granted, because it's so, so easy to do, you know, um, yeah, the busier you are, you always have this thing. Okay. Next week, I promise next week, or mm. as soon as this project is done, you know, we'll get to do that, or we'll get to go there or we'll go eat there or whatever, whatever stupid thing it is with your family. You all, that's it, exactly like I just said, it's some stupid thing. We can do it later, but this project has to get done mm. or in the world of priorities, your family is the second priority. And I don't know how many men are out there where they can look at their daughter or their son and say, hey, little Johnny, you're my number two, or hey, hon, you you're my number two. And then we sit there and have the audacity to wonder why we have the divorce rates that we have, maybe because women don't want to feel like they're number two, and maybe our kids don't want to feel like they're number two, right? Mm. So it, it, it's been this process of helping me not take the most important things in my life for granted and not put them second or third in the world of priorities and be able to put my focus and energy in them where it's, or it's put me in a position where I realize I don't want to start my day with my work, my whatever. I want to start it with God and family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I refuse to leave my house even now before I see my kids. So unless they're woken up and I've interacted with them, I'm not leaving. And uh, it's hurting my business. It's hurting my <laughs> work life. It's hurting status. But you know what? I honestly don't care. I'm ready to give it all up just for the sake of my family because I'm not willing to leave this world without them. Mm. And you just said, I'm doing this now. I'm not leaving my house before I've engaged with my daughters. Is How yeah. recent has this been yeah, happening? We just started this. Yeah, this is all you since the Twitter thing. Okay. So I want dads to hear that is that you are saying, I just had this heart-head connection that helped me focus on my vision for fathering. And you're saying, I'm not kidding, I immediately made a change. I immediately made a change in there. Yeah, and I I didn't think it would be that immediate, but I'm telling you this weird eulogy process, man, it – when you start thinking about death, I, I, I know it can go it can go into a dark place, but it's been an enlightening, life-giving process for me because mm. I realized how much I value my family and what I'm willing to do for them. Okay, I know this is I'm personal. Willing... You want to share any of it? Oh, gosh, do you really want to hear it? Yes, I want to hear it. If you want to share it, only if you want to share it. You've told me, Michelle, ask me anything. I'm an open book. I'm like, okay, I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's long, so I won't read all of it, but okay. um, maybe I'll read some of it here. Sure. I, I'll get halfway through it and start there, maybe. 
Um, I wrote, my dad never missed a date night with me or my sister. He never missed a date night with my mom. He didn't just tell us. He showed us how much he loved our mom to set the example for us that anything less than a man going out of his way to love you is unacceptable. And my dad would never, ever want to meet someone who didn't treat us the same way, not if he wanted to be uh, with one of his girls. Mm-hmm. My dad was a serious guy, but my but mom told us <clears throat> how he put his ego pride and often his dignity aside to make a complete fool of himself just so he could see us laugh. Mm -hmm. That didn't change with age. My dad always knew how to make us laugh and always reminded us how important it is to pursue joy, love, family, and God over status, income, or any other rat race of life. Mm -hmm. Um, He was an inspiration, inspiration to so many, but especially for us. Man, I don't know if I can keep reading. I'm going to be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm a mess um, over here. Um, wow. In the best of ways. This is the kind yeah, of messes I, we want to have because it's about <laughs> things that matter. Yeah, that's right. How often do we and get sidetracked with, with stuff that doesn't, you know? You're right, right. And we're always sidetracked. I think that's the problem with parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But when you cast a vision for fathering and you've written down in a way a manifesto, it sounds like, Armin, you're saying it gives me a focus daily to guide my actions and responses. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like if if uh, there's dads out there like me who like to, you know, use a bow and arrow, hit targets, shoot guns or whatever. I think every dad can understand this. If you don't know where your target is and you don't know <laughs> where it is, it's hard to hit it. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't I don't care if you're the greatest sniper in the world. Like my be- the best man at my wedding is a Navy SEAL decorated sniper. Mm. He he couldn't hit a target if he tried if he doesn't know what it is or where it is. And this process is allowing me to know exactly what the target is and where it is so I can put it put something dead center and this is that process that's allowing me to truly be on mission and know how to pursue it. Wow. Armin, I so appreciate today that you have been willing. You're not just talking to dads to say, here's what you should do, but you've been willing to open up your heart, your story, and be vulnerable because I believe men are longing for other men that don't just have it all together, but are saying, I'm in the trenches with you. Let's do this, men. Come on. We're a band of brothers. Let's change the next generation because they will never say, "Dad, dad didn't dial in. Dad wasn't here. Come on, men. And you are championing men today to stand alongside you. And I can't believe our time has almost come to a close, but you know that I end every show with the go step. So what would you tell dads listening that they could do today to start casting a vision for fathering their daughters and their sons starting today? Listen, I'm not an expert. I'm a novice. I don't want to sit here and pretend like I got something figured out, but I can tell you what I've been doing and what helped me is... Um, and this is something I apply for my life is I, I've realized living for the definition of success that someone else gives me always puts me in a position of failure. So I've always tried to put a definition of success for myself. So as a father, here's what I would recommend is define what success is for you as a father. Excellent. If you don't know how to do that, then start with answering this one simple question. How will life look and feel when you're a successful father? Okay, say that again. You're saying start by answering this question. Sure. How will life look and feel when you're a successful father? And would you recommend writing it down, not just thinking about it? 
Oh my gosh, yes, please. If you don't write it down, you're, it's not serious, and you can't refer back to it. You can't change it. You can't update it mm-hmm. until it's on paper. You don't have it. And would you encourage them to tell someone else, either another dad or their wife or a friend? Yes. So there's statistics out there that prove this. Uh, when you write it down, your odds of uh, hitting that goal increase by 20 30%. And if you share it with someone and get accountability, your chance of attaining any goal that you write down by sharing it goes up to like the 90% percentile. Oh, my so goodness. <laughs> greater odds of success come by writing it and getting and sharing it and being held accountable. Mm, oh, my goodness. So today <laughs> you have heard my friend Armin Asadi talking about what it looks like to cast a vision for fathering. So dads, take his wisdom, take it in, put it into action, asking yourself the question, how will life look and feel when you're a successful father. You can always write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisperer.com. Go to my website, drmichellewatson.com, where I've got resources for you. So thanks, dads, for joining in today. I trust that this conversation has inspired you to intentionally and consistently love your daughters and your sons today. Go dads. Go dads.